God, we love you, and we are just thankful again to be in your presence, to be in this place, to be able to open up this word in, in our own language, and one that we can understand, one that we can uh, read and, and speak. God, I just pray that you would, you would use this book in my hands. You would use the word of God today, that it wouldn't be my words that are speaking, but it would be your words through, through your messenger this morning to your people in your place on your day. God, this is all about you, and God, we just... Uh, we give you all the praise and all the glory this morning as we continue our series. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, this has been quite a journey through Multiply. We've been going through uh, since February, really, uh, on this Multiply series. Um, and we're going to end next week. Next week is our last week. Um, and I, But I, I know that it has been impactful, not only for me, but for other people in our church. I've had conversations with many people this week uh, talking about how, how one, one part or the other has just changed the way they think about this, changed the way they think about the Holy Spirit, changed the way they think uh, about the kingdom of God, changing the way they think about just their faith in general. And so uh, I, I'm encouraged by that. I know that God is using this, this small group book that we've been going in and these sermons on the weekends to, to change your life and to change the, the way that you think and the way that you live as Christ followers. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for everything that we've for this journey that we've been on. And uh, the, this back half of the journey that we've been on, really, for the last few months, has been all about walking through Scripture, walking through the Old Testament, walking through the New Testament. Uh, and this New Testament was, uh, it's been really fun just to go through and talk about Jesus and talk about the Holy Spirit and talk about the early church and talk about the Great Commission. And, and today I want to I wanna talk again. I want to kind of build on where we've been, right? Last week we were at the early church. week before that was the Holy Spirit. And we kind of, we ended the Holy Spirit and we started last week with the church in the same Scripture. And I want to start there again in Acts 1. Because I think there's this, this power of the Holy Spirit is so important for us, not only as a church, but as we, as we follow the mission of God. Remember the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of, of all nations, not just some nations, not just our nation. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them uh, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Right? This is the, the Great Commission. In Acts 1.8, we, we, uh, we pick up here. Remember, this is where we were, were last week as well. <clears throat> but here's what he says. Jesus is Jesus' last words on the earth. It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. That's verse 7. And verse 8 says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. Remember in Matthew, the last words that Jesus says in Matthew 28. Right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Right? And Jesus, his last words here in Acts. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's clear from the last words of Jesus that we have recorded in Matthew and Acts that, that Jesus' ideal for our faith is not just a, a localized kind of thing. This, this, this mission is for the world. This mission is not just for you and me. This mission is for, for the globe. This is for all nations. This is to the ends of the earth. Right? This, is, this is what it means to, to follow this. You will receive power. Right? And, and Luke, the author, is pretty upfront about where this power of the Holy Spirit takes us. It takes us out. Right? We are a sent church. 
We're a sent church. We're called to go, right? Go and make disciples. We're, sent, we're called to, to go. Our denomination, one of our values is that uh, we are a missionary people. And one of the first sentences you'll see in, in our mission statement is we are a sent people. We are sent. We are called to go. We are called to, to go out. We are a sent church. But here's the, here's, I have two questions for you this morning. How often are we willing to go? And here's a second question. Do our prayers reflect a willingness to go? How often are we willing to go? And do our prayers reflect this desire to go? Right, there's something I've, I've noticed about prayers, and maybe you have as well. I'm noticing these about my prayers, not just any prayers, my prayers. I would venture to say about 95% of my prayers go something like this. God, would you just meet with me today? God, would you heal this person? Would you heal that person? God, would you bless me as I go and as I, as I do your work? Would you... Would you do this, and would you do that, and would you, would you be here? Would you help me get this done? Would you, would you, yeah. maybe I'm not, maybe I'm speaking to the choir this morning. Hopefully I'm speaking to the choir this morning. Hopefully this is not just me. All right, this is, this is kind of what I, how I pray often is, God, will you do this for me? God, will you do this for me? And even if it's not just for me, it's for someone that I love, it's for someone that I know Personally, God, would you heal this person or heal this person? God, would you help this person get a job? Would you, would you be in this person's life? Would you, you know, would you do this? Would you do this? Would you do this? Maybe you're with me in that. Yeah, I would say maybe 95% of my prayers are like that. But, but what if instead, and again, I'm just speaking to me, what if, I, what if instead, I, instead of me praying, God, would you do this or would you do that? Instead, what if I, what if I started by saying, God, what do you want me to do? God, where do you want, what can I do for you? How can I be of service to you? Sometimes we treat God like this, like this vending machine, right? We go and we, we put our coins in and we pull the lever and this is what we want, God, and we're hoping that, that the thing doesn't get stuck. We don't have to shake the machine, right? We're hoping that we actually get what we want. We're hoping that we, that we receive what we're asking for. But what if, what if we prayed deeper prayers than that? What if instead of just asking God, what can you do for me, we start asking God, how can I be of service to you? God, how can I live for you? God, what can I do for you today? See, this is a, this is a prayer of, of availability. God, I'm willing to go. God, I'm available. Use me. This prayer of availability is really a, an uncomfortable question. It's an uncomfortable prayer, right? Because where is he going to send me? I don't know where he's going to send me. I don't know what he's going to ask me to do. What if I don't want to do it? Right? And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of different things that we could do. Right? God could be calling us to, to go to a new city or to start a new job or, or to stay in a job that we don't really want to work at right? or to, to do some things and to, to go some places, to talk to some people. There are endless possibilities with God. And we like to talk about that when we're, when we're expecting a miracle. There are endless possibilities with God. So yes, this, I totally believe this can get done. Right? But God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? There are endless possibilities with God, and that scares me 
to death. What if God calls me to do this, to do that? What if God calls me to do something that I don't want to do? Throughout all of Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, God calls people to do things. And there are some different responses that we find from people, right? There's a, I, I would say there's three, three responses that we can talk about this morning. There's more than that, obviously, but I want to talk about three this morning, right? That God is calling me, and there's three responses. Here's the first one. It's the Jonah response. Right? You go to the book of Jonah with me. <coughs> Here's the Jonah response. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Jonah chapter 1, by the way. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Basically, here's Jonah's response. Here I am, Lord. But I'm not going. Here I am, but I'm not going. I'm not going to do that. I, I don't want to do that. I, I know I hear you loud and clear. I, I hear what you're calling me to do, but I am not going. How many of us have had similar responses to that? Probably, probably many of us have had similar responses to that. God, I hear you. I, I hear you saying that you want me to go do this. I hear you saying that I'm supposed to reach out and say something to help this person. God, here I am, but I am not doing that. Here I am, but, but no. Right? And there's, this, there's, this, there's a second response in Scripture, right? There's a Jonah response of here I am, but no. Here I am, but I'm not going to do that. And then you go to Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. There's the, there's the Moses response. Exodus chapter 3, 1 through 11. Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Would that be your thought if you saw a burning bush? I'm going to go see this strange sight. Yeah. I'm going to be like, I'm going to go. I'm going to, that's weird. I'm leaving, right? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said, but take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And here is Moses' response. Remember, he's already said, here am I, right? Here am I. Moses, Moses, here am I. I'm sending you to the Pharaoh. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? All right, here's Moses' response. Here am I. But you need to send someone else, God. 
Here, and Moses, uh, you got to think, Moses absolutely agrees with what God is saying here. Moses has, has seen the same struggle of the Israelites that God is talking about here. He's actually killed an Egyptian. The reason he's in where he's at is because he was fleeing from Egypt after killing an Egyptian who was mistreating one of his people. He sees the same thing that God sees. He sees the issue that God sees. God says, I need you to go to Pharaoh. And Moses says, yeah, uh, I'm not your guy. You need to send someone else. Who am I, God, that I, that I should be able to do this? Who am I? Right, how many times has that happened in our lives? We see, we see and wrong. We see something that we need to go and do or, or someone needs to go and do. And God says, hey, I want you to go here. I want you to go talk to this person. I want you to, to do this. I want you to intervene here. I want you to say something to this person. And we say, God, here I am, but... I'm not sure I'm qualified for that. God, here I am, but you're going to need to send someone else. This isn't for me. This isn't, what, this isn't in, my, in my gifts. I took the strengths finders test. God, this is not in my strengths. This isn't me. How many of us have felt that? There's a third response. It's also in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, starting at verse 1, says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With, With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah responds, Here I am. Send me. Here I am, God. Send me. Isaiah responds here with a blank check. Notice God is not, is not describing where he's going. Notice what Isaiah does not say here. Isaiah is not asking, God says, who, who will go for us? Who will we send? And Isaiah doesn't raise his hand and say, well, where are you sending people? Right? Are you sending them to a, to a, to a fun place? Is it warm there? Is it, is it kind of like beachy weather? Is there, is there vacation pay? Do I get like good insurance? You know, like, what, what is this place that you're sending me to, God? How, 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 can, I, uh, how can I help you? No, it was, a, it was a blank check. God just says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah raises his hand. He says, here I am, God. Send me. Here I am, send me. Man, this is, a, this is a dangerous prayer for us to pray. This prayer of availability that just says, God, I don't care where you're sending me. I don't care when you're sending me. I don't care what you're sending me to do. God, here I am, send me. 
I read this prayer this week as I was, as I was getting ready for this. And I want to just read this prayer for you. It says, God, I give you my mind. I give you my eyes. I give you my mouth. May I speak what you want me to say. May I hear only your truth today and have the wisdom to reject that which is not true. Here are my hands. May they be used to build your kingdom. Here are my feet. Lead me where you want me to go. Help me to do what you want me to do. Essentially, this is a a prayer of availability. God, here I am. Send me. And if we're going to to follow this Acts 1-8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem and Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If we're going to be a Great Commission kind of church like we committed to a few weeks ago, that we would go and that we would make disciples of all nations, we need to be a church that also is able to pray, God, here we are, here I am, send me. See, this word, this, this gospel that we, that we have is not just for you and for me. It's not just for the people who are sitting in pews on Sunday morning. This gospel, this word of God, this good news is for the community across the street. It's for this community of Fresno. It's for the entire world. It's for the nations. It's for everyone. It goes well beyond this church or these walls or this community or this city or this nation. Here we are. Here I am. Send to me. So how do we how do we get to this point? How do we get to the point in our lives individually? We're able to, to say, God, my life is a blank check for you. God, here I am, send me. Here I am. Everything that I have is yours, God. Everything, every skill that I have, every gift that you have given me is yours. God, use me. God, send me. How do we get there? How do we get to this point? Well, I think in Isaiah chapter 6, I think we can take a few things from Isaiah's experience here. And here, here's the first thing. I think to, to get to this point where we can say, God, here I am Send me. We need to have, as Isaiah did here, an authentic experience with the presence of God. We need to have an experience in the presence of God. We need to experience the presence of God in a tangible way in our lives. You read this in verse 1 through 4. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, and with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. This experience that Isaiah had, it changed who he was. It, remember, this is, this, is a, this is a prophet here. This is not just, just anyone here. This is a prophet from God who's experiencing this, and he's able to, to have this experience, right? He's, this is, <clears throat> it changed who he was. And I think sometimes we're, we're not available because we haven't been in the presence of God recently. 
I think sometimes our lack of, availab- our lack of availability, our lack of, of being able to say, here I am, Lord, send me. I think sometimes the, the lack of us being able to say that is because we've had a lack of the presence of God in our lives. I mean, when I was in youth ministry, we used to, to go to camp all the time. And there was this thing called the mountaintop experience. Right? The... the the mountaintop experience. You'd spend a week up in the presence of God. You would just be so excited to go to service. You'd be so excited for worship. One of my favorite things about camp was, was every night, the kids, you know, the first night, the kids were, would talk about random things up until 3 a.m., you know. The next night and the next night and the next night, inevitably, there were questions about faith and questions about God because they were hungry for it. Why? Why were they hungry for the presence of God? Because they had been in the presence of God. They had heard the word in maybe a new, fresh way. Right? They, had, they had experienced God. They had experienced true worship of God, and they wanted more. They experienced the presence of God, and they wanted more. They couldn't stop asking questions. What does this mean in Scripture? What does God think about this? What does God think about this? What, is, what does the Bible say about this or this or this? I mean, I, I can still remember some of these conversations that went until three or four in the morning at camp and the waking up the next day and not even being tired. We were just so excited to go to early morning worship with teenagers at 7 a.m. Now, what would make a teenager get up at 7 a.m.? Only the presence of God or school. <laughs> Those are the options, right? I mean, this is, they're at camp. They could sleep in. There's nothing until breakfast, right? But they choose, hey, you want to go to early morning worship in the morning? Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm ready to go. I'm good to go. And they're just so hungry for more. Why? Because they've been in the presence of God. And what happens is you, you, they come and they're, they're so high on God. They have this mountaintop experience. And, and what happens is we start driving down the mountain. And inevitably, the, the worst moment for me as a youth pastor was when probably like halfway down the mountain from Hume Lake, the, the phones would start ringing. The text messages would start flooding in from their friends of all week that they haven't seen or all weekend they haven't seen. And then what happens is, three weeks later, man, camp was really good, but I'm not where I was. A month and a half later, we're, we're almost back to where we started. And then next year, summer camp comes around, and there's a lot of questions about God. There's a lot of, man, why do I even believe what I believe? And we go to camp, and they experience the presence of God again, and they have this mountaintop experience. And we go down the mountain, and it starts over and over and over again. Up on the mountain, they, the kids would pray this prayer, God, here I am, send me. They'd have lists of kids that they want to reach at their school. They would have lists of things that they want to do, right? When I get home, I'm going to do this, and I want to start this Bible study, and I want to do this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and they'd have this list, and then... The next year, none of that stuff would have happened. Why? Because they, they stray from the presence of God, and no longer is there this willingness to say, here I am, God, send me. Again, this is an overgeneralization. Some kids that had that experience, that changed their lives forever. But sometimes I think we're, we're unwilling to be able to say, here I am, God, send me, because we haven't been in the presence of God like we should be. 
And here's, here's the, the thing, Pastor Chris, I, I've never felt that, like, I, I don't know how to have this mountaintop experience. That I'm not going to head up to the lake for a few days just to experience God. I don't have this, this outdoor, like, sanctuary in my backyard that I can just experience God. And well, here's the, the good news for you this morning, if that's where you're at, is Scripture teaches us over and over and over again that you don't have to go to a mountain to experience God. That when you draw close to God, God draws close to you, and you can experience God driving down the street in your car or in your truck, and you're you're worshiping as and you feel like God is sitting in the passenger seat right next to you. You can experience the presence of God in your car. You can experience it in your homes anywhere. As you draw close to God, God draws even closer to you. You can experience the presence of God, and there's only one thing that happens, and we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> I got ahead of myself. You need to experience the presence of God. And what, what's the next thing that happens here in Isaiah? Isaiah has this genuine awareness of his sinfulness. Right? This, all this, this presence, I'm, I'm in the presence of God. And Isaiah's first words are what? Woe to me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I'm from a people of unclean lips. And I've seen the king. I have seen the Lord Almighty. Woe is me. It's a little bit of a Moses thing, right? Who am I? Who am I to be able to see what I'm seeing right now? How, how, God, how are you able to do this with me right now? I have unclean lips. I am not who I should be to be in this presence. God, I, I, woe is me. I should die right now. This is who I am. I, I understand, like, I am a, I'm a sinful person. And I think one of, the, one of the biggest lies that we tell ourselves in our culture and in any culture is, we're good people. You're good. I'm good. We're good people. Can I tell you, Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture says no one is good apart from Jesus Christ. I'm not saying you're not nice and you're not kind. Maybe you're even loving. But no one can be good apart from Jesus Christ. We need to come to a place in our lives where, where, where we realize, like, I don't measure up, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right, the wages of sin is death. We understand the, the, what happens. And this broke Isaiah, right? This Isaiah is sitting here in the presence of God, and he just breaks. Woe is me. I, I am a person of unclean lips. I come from a people of unclean lips. And I've seen the king. Woe is me. I don't, I don't deserve this. But what happens is the next moment he... He sees and experiences. This is the, the third thing. He, he, <coughs> he genuinely understands, comes to understand the grace of God. Because immediately after he prays this, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. I come from a people of unclean lips. And I've seen the king. He says, what happens next is, is just amazing. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Isaiah experiences the grace of God, and all it took was one touch. 
All it took was one touch from the stone from the altar, and that's all it takes for you and for me as well to, to come to this experience where we, where we genuinely understand, come to understand God's grace in our lives, because all it takes is one touch from God, and we're forgiven, and we are free, and we're no, no longer under the bondage of sin, right? Psalm 103, I will take your sin, I'll throw it as far away as the east is from the west. First John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, right? This is the God that we have and see in Scripture. This is the God that gives us all the grace that we could ever want and ever need. And all it takes is one touch. You understand that this, this grace changes everything. This grace is everything. It changes everything. And we recognize that, that, that we come to this point where we recognize that I don't bring anything to this table, Jesus brings everything to this table. It's not about what skills I have or what talents I have. It's not about me. It's about God. And in this presence, and as we're aware of sin and we experience the grace of God, there is only one response that comes from this, and it's this. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me, God. God, I've experienced your presence. I've, I've been in your presence God, I understand, like, this is, this is who I am. I'm a sinful person. Woe is me, God. I'm a person of unclean lips. I come from a people of unclean lips. And I've seen you. I've seen the King. I've seen the Lord Almighty. Woe is me. And we come to this realization, and God is there available for us through the blood of Jesus Christ to give us grace and to forgive our sins. I, I love what the, the angel says here. See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. This is what it takes. This is, and then what happens is we're, we pray this prayer, God, here I am, send me. And it's not out of duty. It's not out of a, a sense of duty because we have to serve Jesus. It's not a duty like we have to now, because God has forgiven us, now we go serve. Like it's a if-then kind of thing. If God has forgiven you, then you go serve. It's just what you do, right? That's not what happens. It's out of love of God. The only response left after experiencing the grace and the presence and forgiveness of God is, here I am. Send me. God, you are more than I could ever imagine. God, you are more than, than anything that I could ever imagine. You are, you are greater. You are more loved than anything I could ever imagine. God, you are greater who am I? What do I bring to this table? God, I, who, how, who am I to say I know better? Who am I to say no to something you're calling me to? God, here I am. Send me. Send me. And this is not just a, this is not just a one-time decision either. This is a daily decision. This is the, and that's why the mountaintop experience doesn't just last forever and ever and ever. This is a daily decision to say, here I am, send me. Sunday morning, here I am, God, send me. Monday morning, here I am, God, send me. Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, God, here I am, send me. Whatever you have for me to do today, I'm in. Here I am, send me, send me, send me. Here's, here's the thought I want you to go home with today. The answer is yes. What's the question?
The answer is yes. What's the question? Your answer is yes. What is God calling you to do today? Where is God calling you to go today? Where is God sending you today? We are a sent church. We are a sent people because our goal is not just to come together on Sunday mornings and to, to just worship together. I mean, that's good and fun, but if that's all we're here for, then what's the point? Our goal is to go out and to make disciples of all nations. Our goal is to be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. This is who we are. This is what we're about. We are a sent people, and this gospel is meant for all nations, for all people. This is what we're about. You play a part in this mission. You might have to take some risks. God is calling me to do this. I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I can physically, mentally handle what God is calling me to do. The answer is yes. What's the question? I don't know, God. I don't know if, I, I don't know if you've got the right person here. I don't know, I don't know if I have the skill set for this. I don't know if you're, I don't, I, this must be a mistake. You must have met another Chris Archer, right? You must have met the, the pitcher for the Tampa Bay uh, Rays, right? You must have met that guy. You're calling him to go do something, not me, right? The answer is yes. What's the question? What's the question? I'm going to pray in a second. I want you to just think about what that question might be. And as I'm praying, I want you to just pray silently yourself just, and just ask God, God, what are you asking me to do? Where are you asking me to go? God, where are you sending me? How are you sending me? Because the answer is yes. What's the question? How can I participate in, in this, God? How can I participate in bringing the gospel to all nations, to all people? Because the answer is yes, God. What's the question? Let's pray. God, this morning we come and we are just thankful once again to be in your presence. God, we come together as a church family to to worship. We come to open up your word. We come to pray. We come to, to sing together. God, we... We come together, but God, this morning we, we claim our identity as a sent people. God, and we would pray this morning together that you would show us what you are calling us to do, where you're calling us to go, where you are sending us, God, as a church and individually. God, we want to be a part of this mission to go and to, to make disciples of all nations. God, we want, to, we want to be part of this going to the very ends of the earth mission that you gave us. God, would you show us individually this morning or this week where you're sending us and where you're calling us to go? And would we have the boldness and the 
the desire to say yes. God, what we say together this week, the answer is yes. But what's the question? God, we love you and we give you all the honor and all the praise in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? As we go, as I do every week, I just want to say a prayer of blessing over you. Would you just hold your hands out and just receive this blessing from God this morning? With the God of all love and grace and peace, would he grant you boldness this week to ask the question, what's the question? And would he give you the boldness this week to say the answer is yes? And would you go out into your world? Would you make a difference in your world? Would you be uh, a, a kingdom maker for Christ this week? Go in peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.